Hello and welcome to show 14 of All Back to Bowie's. This show is called Tony Went to Fight in Belfast, Ireland and an Independent Scotland. Uh, this is a really terrific show, I think. Um, everything came together, everything was in alignment. Kieran is on great form as the host. The panel is just fantastic. Uh, Peter Gagan, Cormac Quinn, um, Nicola McCartney and Rachel McCrum just are so interesting. And I think another sort of important factor is that this topic of Ireland is so interwoven with Scotland and with independence. And yet we know in, in some ways we talk about it so little or we, we talk about its modern incarnation so little. So I, I really hope you'll enjoy this discussion. Apart from that, <coughs> apart from that, Rachel's poetry is extraordinary. And at the end, the performance by Camille O'Sullivan is just heart-stopping. I mean, if, if you only do one thing, then just go to the end and listen to the performance by Camille O'Sullivan. But don't do that, because then you'd miss just about the best show we had so here it is Tony went to fight in Belfast Ireland and an independent Scotland hello everyone that was really good yesterday's audience I had to prompt them to say hello back which is always a little bit of an awkward foot to start off on so thank you um Welcome to All Back to Boys. Uh, my name is Kieran Hurley. Um, sorry we uh, went up a little bit late today. Uh, we are hoping that one of our acts today, our, uh, the brilliant musician Camille O'Sullivan, will show up sometime during, uh, during the hour that we spend together here. If she does, then we'll have a little bit of faff where we set up her stuff and, and we'll get to hear some of her music. If she doesn't, that's fine. We've got a brilliant, brilliant panel of guests anyway. Um, so, yeah, All Back to Bowie's... Um, at the Brit Awards, a bit of context, at the Brit Awards, David Bowie said, Scotland, stay with us, didn't he? So we thought, it's a really kind offer, be frankly rude not to take him up on it. So here we are, we've invited you all back to his guest yurt on the roof of his Manhattan apartment here in New York at David Bowie's place. And we're hoping that he might show up. That maybe, maybe, you know, we're going to have some chats about the independence referendum here while we're here. And maybe he'll show up and think, oh, this is slightly more interesting than I gave it credit for, which would be great, because we love him. We'd like it if he got involved. So may maybe he'll come. Him and Camille. We're waiting for Bowie and, and Camille, um, two excellent musicians of our time. Um, what else to say about All Back to Bowie's? There are some house rules. There are some house rules here, uh, one of which is we never really ask our guests uh, binary questions. We never ask them binary yes-no questions, such as what way do you intend to vote in the referendum. If they want to tell us, and that be part of what they're talking about, that's great, that's fine, that's encouraged, but we don't lead on that. There is one binary question, though, that is really, really important to us right now. So we're going to ask you guys that now. This is a thing that we ask all our audiences. We're keeping a running tally. We will have a winner at the end, and it will be settled finally forever. The important, not quite constitutional question of... Is it Bowie or is it Bowie? Oh, oh, easy, easy. We have to settle this like a, in a fair, democratic manner. All of those who say yes, the correct pronunciation is in fact Bowie. Stick your hands up for yes. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 17 for yes. All of the naysayers who say no, 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 it is Bowie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty, thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two. A landslide for no. Um, a landslide for Bowie. Right. I'll, I'll try and keep to Bowie. I said to yesterday's audience as well. I've got video evidence to the contrary. But you fight. Uh, it's a democracy. Um, all back to Bowie's. It is then. Um, another thing to say about. Uh, about how things are going to work here. We don't always have time to open up the panel for questions to the audience. It's only got an hour here. It's an hour-long Fringe show. But we do want to make sure that your guys' uh, voice is heard. So we have been inviting our audiences. If any of you have like a little bit of scrap paper, um, a 
daft flyer for a show that you have no interest in, uh, a bus ticket, anything like that, to start gathering those now. And if you've got a pen, we want you to complete the sentence, Ireland is. We've been doing this with all our themes. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Ireland in relation to the referendum. Yesterday we were talking about England, so the sentence was England is. Earlier on we were talking about Braveheart, so we had people complete the sentence Braveheart is. If during the course of the show you want to just complete the sentence Ireland is, try to be imaginative about it, try to, be, try to say something interesting that you might want to say about it, try not just to be fully reductive about it. And at the end we'll read out as many of those as we possibly can in a sort of crowd-sourced, audience-authored collectively written poem. So that's how it's going to work. Um, so yeah, feel free over the course of the show to do that. That would be great. Uh, so today we're here to talk about um, Ireland in relation to the independence question here in Scotland. Uh, the show is called Tony Went to Fight in Belfast. What's the Bowie lyric? I don't know the Bowie lyric. Tony Went to Fight in Belfast, Ireland and the independence referendum. Um, and we've got a great, great uh, bunch of guests. We're going to hopefully have music from Camille O'Sullivan. Let's have a hopeful round of applause for Camille, whether she's here or not. We're going to have uh, some poetry from the brilliant Rachel McCrum. We're going to have a little bit of a personal provocation around the issue, read out by David Gregg from uh, the playwright Linda Radley. And we have a, we're going to have a panel discussion that will form the main sort of bulk of our, of our time here, where we have a journalist Peter Gagan, playwright Cormac Quinn, and the playwright Nicola McCartney, We'll also be joined by Rachel McCrum as well. Um, so that's, that's us. Without further ado then, I would like to welcome up to the stage to kick things off. We'll do this in two bits. We'll have two little uh, interventions from Rachel. First up, we're going to have a, a poem from Rachel McCrum. Let's hear it. Thanks. Excuse me, I often wear antisocial footwear. And occasionally I have to adjust mics, but we're good. Um, okay, so I'm just going to start things uh, with a poem. Uh, this was something, just to give you a bit of context, was actually written three summers ago now, uh, when the riots sort of kicked off in London. Uh, and it was a sort of a, a very immediate response to what was happening then. Uh, I don't necessarily stand by all of it now. Uh, I think it is all our story. Um, but yeah, I'll start with that. It's called Are the Kids Alright? When it all kicked off this summer, at home our hearts sank. We thought we knew how this story unfurled, knew how the streets would be littered with the detritus of violence, the burnt out cars, the shattered glass, the hard arms raised. But this was not the old angers restoked. This had a new swagger. Bully boys all looked the same behind balaclavas. And I learnt years ago that I would not let myself be frightened by the likes of you. But these images hurt from less familiar streets. This is not my story and I do not know what to do. You little gods. We cannot match your energy, willful, wanton and so very fast. We follow with brooms and teacups. We comfort ourselves with cleaning up. We bleat beauty. Perhaps this guilt is arrogance. This is not our story and we do not know what to do. And do not speak to me of politics and pathetic, fat-cheeked men who have forgotten where to place the eye in their culpability. What will you do tomorrow, when at home you count your stash of trainers, sportswear, fetishes, totems with a street value? How do you speak? How will you match the giddiest high of the day you rushed the streets? You do not want the bullets to come. Plastic is followed by steel and you do not want the bullets. We should have caught your story before. The city is broken and we do not know what to do. The city is broken and we hide behind the hot, frustrated tears of a child whose toys have been snatched without warning. The city is broken and we do not know what to do. We do not speak your language and we have not heard your story. Thank you. 
Thank you, Rachel. Um, before we kick off our panel discussion, and uh, we have our, our guests up, um, we're going to kick that off with uh, a, a short sort of personal provocation around some of the... Um, Linda's experiences of being Irish in Scotland, I suppose. So the playwright Linda Radley has, uh, has sent us this, which I would like to invite David Gregg up to, to read for us. Uh, <clears throat> OK. So this is Linda Radley's uh, personal provocation. So, I'm at the post office yesterday having had some dodgy experiences in the past as I place my parcel on the weighing scales I say it's for the Republic of Ireland the lady takes the package through is that international? I assure her that it is she doesn't trust me to know so she turns to her colleague is that international? Ireland and here it comes here it comes the question that's been coming since I walked in the door the question that I have been asked in almost every post office and many other places besides in my nine years of living here. Southern Ireland. Cue the music in my head. Tin whistles and pipes. A tourism video for Southern Ireland. A place mainly made of fog. The mythical land unheard of by the people who live there, but invented by the Scots. When I lived in London, they were fond of using era to denote the 26 counties of the island of Ireland that are other than the six counties of Northern Ireland, which can almost certainly be said to be definitively, definitely not international. I snap out of it and look at my parcel. My parcel is going to Donegal, which can in no way be described as Southern anywhere. I'm sorry, I say, there is no such country as Southern Ireland. The pipes stop, the fog clears, and the lady looks at me and says... It doesn't matter, does it? You know where we mean. I sure do, post office lady. I sure do. Afterwards, a friend tells me that Southern Ireland is one of the few things that stuck in his years of Scottish schooling. Another friend, a teacher, reassures me that Southern Ireland would never be taught. My auntie Anya, who lives in Somerset, says she tried to do the history lesson at her village post office, but was told by the nice ladies, it's the same country after all. Lots of people correct me. It's not just a Scottish thing. Another friend tells me how the same question was put to her in Perth, Australia, that very day. There's an episode of Who Do You Think You Are, where both the BBC narrator and Graham Norton, who should surely know better, use Southern Ireland constantly. Is it the word republic that sticks in the throat? A friend admits that he doesn't know if he's allowed to say he's been to Ireland because he's only been to Northern Ireland. I tell him he's been to the island of Ireland. And he says, so the island is still called Ireland. <laughs> and I can see that it is genuinely confusing for him. Another friend confesses that he'd, be able, that he'd be afraid to ask someone from Northern Ireland if they were from the Republic in case it would make them angry. We may as well just put here be dragons on the map. Someone asks why it bothers me, and I try to explain the irony of my friends and neighbours in a country currently contemplating its own independence, using this other name for a country that long ago became independent, this name that sounds like an annex, this name that can only conceive of a place I come from in relation to another place, this name that is simply wrong. I try to explain to him how the town land I'm in from has the wrong name, because the Irish was incorrectly translated. Names matter, I say. It's like the way you've been all taught to put the word potato in between Irish and famine, as if it was the spuds alone that did it. Oh no, he says, not that again. Thanks very much. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, David. Great stuff. Um, I'd like to welcome up to the stage uh, our panel then, all four of you. Rachel, Nicola, Peter and Cormac. Can you have a round of applause for the, for the panel? Yes, thanks. Um, 
We, uh, here, in, here in David Bowie's guest yurt, we only have the technical capabilities for uh, two microphones. So um, when you want to speak, make it known. I'll either pass you mine or we can pass it up and, up and down the line. Um, I suppose I'd like to kick off just by asking anyone who feels moved to, if they have some kind of response to what Winda offered in the room there, any, any thoughts, maybe, maybe thoughts um, from, from Northern Ireland would be interesting, or... Uh, oh, so I'm yeah. starting this one. <laughs> Um, I, I recognise that, uh, uh, particularly because, so I, I am from Northern Ireland, I'm from County Down, which is the uh, bit that uh, just on the sort of the end of Belfast, up facing Scotland, so I could see Port Patrick from my bedroom window uh, growing up, which was nice. Um, and, and the thing I'll, I'll say is as well, I mean, uh, the bit that I'm in uh, is, is it's a, a Protestant area, so as you call it, it's also very middle class. Um, and what they like to do there is not refer in any way to the fact that anything might be happening in Northern Ireland that's problematic at all. Um, so I was very much sort of brought up uh, not educated in the politics of, of Northern Ireland, which is, is quite frightening when you were born in 1982 and uh, grew up sort of during that time. Uh, but we also used to go uh, to holiday in Donegal uh, every summer when I was a kid. Uh, and we would call it was called the republic that was the name for it uh northern ireland ulster the six counties the north and the south is sort of i think probably one of the more neutral terms that get given to it uh we never had era that's that would that wouldn't happen no no that wasn't that wasn't for us uh yeah so i i recognize the multiplicity of namings um i think in that story uh and, and also the confusion that comes with it yeah Cormac, can you put something to rest then? Southern Ireland, not okay. S the South, is that all right? If I'm in Ireland, um, I, I think that kind of has kind of Ku Klux Klan uh, connotations <laughs> uh, for me, unfortunately, Kieran. Um, it is. I mean, it's a difficult thing because you know that's. Uh, I suppose all of four of us here sitting in the panel have that binary identity when we leave. You know, where are we from? Um, and I've tended to say Ireland generally. But there is, a, there is a very interesting thing that Linda raised, which is, you know, that, that suffix, that suffix republic. And that's a suffix that's a very hot topic in Ireland at the moment. Is Ireland a republic? Um, and it's also a very interesting question for Scotland. I won't digress from the original question, but I, I, I think free. that... I, well, <laughs> but, but I think that's, that, that, to me, is the interesting thing, is, is the extent to which Ireland is a republic, and the extent to which Britain is a constitutional monarchy with republican institutions. Uh, of which one might say the NHS is a very republican institution. Uh, we don't have it, and we're a republic, allegedly. Um, the BBC, I mean, I know the future of the BBC may be different, but in its inception, it's a republican institution for the people, by the people. Or is that by the people, for the people? But anyway, it's, that, that really is what a republic is. However, Ireland does have a better electoral system, but we may come to that later. But it's the, 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 those, are the kind of, those are the things, as, as you were saying, and I really think that's so true, is that um, what you were saying, Rachel, is that it's, uh, it's that kind of, you, you go in and someone says, so where are you from? And you go, I'm from Ireland, Southern Ireland. And Southern kind of sounds soft and kind of yielding, just as, as Linda said, you know, you can see the mist and the fog rolling back, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's not like that. And all of us, no matter what, you know, political perspective we're from or, or what background we're from, we're, we are from, from Ireland, or maybe different parts of Ireland, but we are from Ireland. Um, I'm interested in um, we hopefully get a chance to touch on these questions of uh, of, of republic and uh, and monarchy a bit more. But I'm interested first of all in um, uh, how the debate that we are currently having, the constitutional debate that we're having in Scotland at the moment, looks and feels from. We'll start with Northern Ireland. How, what, Peter, you better. okay, I'll talk on that. Uh, I guess there's two. Obviously, there's there's two bits. I actually say the south a lot because I lived in the north, so I'm conscious of the south, and I'm not as I'm not as antagonistic to it. I have to say as a concept because I'm aware that not everyone understands the constitutional subtleties of of the UK, Great Britain, Ireland, Northern Ireland, all these myriad terms that mean different things. But uh, the the interesting thing I think from from Ireland writ large is. Uh, a lack of interest in general in the constitutional debate in Scotland, to be honest. Uh, the Southern Government said recently that uh, ministers should say nothing on the issue whatsoever. And in the North, I'm just back from Armagh quite recently, and uh, I was there for a few days giving a talk. And there's a bit of an interest growing, I think, in, in Northern Ireland about what this means, what this, what this potentially could mean constitutionally. If it's, but it's still a bit binary, I think, in public. It's still very much, yes is good for nationalists slash republicans, no is good for unionists. So it's still seen within that prism, within that kind of 
quite tired prism, a trope of how you see uh, how you see Ireland. For me, the far more interesting thing is what does it mean constitutionally across the islands? What does it mean for some sort of a new relationship between Ireland, North and South? I've been writing a lot about this concept of Dalriada, the ancient overland Celtic kingdom that would have connected Ballycastle and Argyll all the way up to Loch Arbor, and which would have existed in the kind of 4th, 5th and 6th centuries uh, AD. And is there something within that kind of overland Celtic kingdom that we could think about now to kind of maybe slightly shift this framework? Because especially when, it, when you talk about Northern Ireland, everything gets a bit edgy and a bit close and a bit, yeah, a bit emotional, a bit difficult. And is there other ways we could think, both for, the, both for the Southern Irish, both for the Republic and for Northern Ireland, it all gets a bit tricky. So I guess I'm interested in, in that at the moment. But uh, as, a, as a debate, I think we're only starting, I think it's been quite slow. I think my sense, I lived in Belfast for many years, is that, and I used to go up a lot when I was younger, but a lot of family there, is that Northern Ireland post-1998 has become a lot more inward looking. Before, for the 30 years of the conflict, love it or hate it, the world's eyes were in Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland was looking out, it was involved in other things. People from Northern Ireland went to the Balkans, they went to other places to talk about what was happening. Now Northern Ireland's got a lot more inward looking and it's a lot more about what does this mean for Northern Ireland. And everyone on all sides has now realised that a yes vote doesn't mean the end of Northern Ireland, but they haven't really thought much beyond that. It's interesting, Nicola, I see you nodding quite a well. I wonder if you had anything you wanted to add on that. I think I agree with everything apart from the last point. Okay, great. <laughs> um, I think it... I'm not really sure how much of a difference a yes vote is really going to make to what eventually will happen in, I would say, the north of Ireland. Uh, the north of Ireland, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, uh, my, my identity is, is, is slightly more split um, than uh, we come from the same vicinity, but uh, half my family kick with one foot and the other half of the other. So you say Northern Ireland and North of Ireland, depending on which uh, uncle you're talking, you're talking to. to. <laughs> But I, I think that um, it'll make very little difference because I think there is a way that it's going to pan out eventually anyhow. Um, but not for some time. I mean, I, I don't. I, I think eventually Ireland will probably become one country again, um, simply because that's kind of the way things are going. I also think that after, if there is a yes vote, the north of Ireland is such an economic drain on the rest of the United Kingdom that once uh, the UK, our UK, loses Scottish oil revenue and various other kind of revenues, the economic strain that the North of Ireland actually places on our UK will, will become even more emphatic. Um, and I think that there will be a rush to get rid of it, quite frankly, <laughs> by, by London. Um, because for years, the, the rest of the UK has been propping up you know, the Northern Irish economy. So I think in a yes vote, that's the economics, as ever, will be the most significant difference and will perhaps hasten what I think inevitably is going to happen anyway. So do, we, do, do the panel sort of share the, the, the plausibility of that, of that uh, outcome, that, 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 a, that a yes vote might um, increase the, the, the rate towards a reunified Ireland? Is that... <clears throat> I would actually agree with Nicola on this. I, I think that, uh, that in, in some ways it changes a, a kind of a dialogue within the UK um, and it changes a kind of a representational dialogue within the UK, which is very interesting. I mean, it's just interesting to note in Northern Ireland, I don't want to keep going back to it, but in some ways the the the, kind of the, the warning signs were there. I think McGuinness and a few other people had made some noises that really the, the, the power sharing had stalled. You know, civil servants are running the place. It's just like when it was direct rule in some ways. And, and that, I suppose, partnership and fellowship has to kind of develop. I, I think, I, I would probably agree with Nicola as well to say, I think the breathing space afforded, and, I, and I'm not denying the fact that peace walls have gone up um, in Belfast, particularly uh, more than gone up since the, the, the peace process, but I think actually the breathing space that allows in society um, will, I, th I hope, uh, hope eventually allow that, that kind of, um, those barriers to come down in, in other ways, intellectual ways. I also think, I'm just digressing a bit, but you know, I mentioned to Kieran just before we came on that, you know, Martin McGuinness, um, not a man to be fulsome in his praise of, of monarchy, just six weeks ago gave an interview in Irish radio where he was personally, I couldn't really believe I was listening to this, personally hugely fulsome in his praise for uh, Queen Liz. Um, and he spoke about the fact that, that although he disagreed with monarchy and he's still a Republican, her personal intervention and her personal awareness of what the symbolism of her shaking hands, she went beyond protocol. He said it wasn't just her adhering to protocol. She may have a personal family interest, given the tragedies that, that obviously befallen her family with Mountbatten and so on, but she was very engaged 
and that means a huge amount to communities both in Scotland um, who may be monarchy focused and in some ways in a funny kind of way <clears throat> being a, a non-monarchist myself there is a bit where if Ireland and again it's a reflection for Scotland too and, and the way that I think that the Yes campaign have even though I might be a Republican in, in my instinct I think keeping the union of the crowns may be a very good thing to allow people to engage with the idea of separation and in some ways, the abrupt nature of our separation didn't allow the other, other communities with those kind of ties to actually absorb that and see that they could still do it, and that we could have a discussion about monarchy and republicanism later, um, rather than say, this is it, it's all in or out. Um, you know, maybe a more, more gradual approach. Interesting. Um, I, oh, Rachel, you wanted to jump in? I, yeah, I think that's extraordinarily generous, actually. I hadn't thought of it in that way. Um, I actually just wanted to come back to two points, if that's okay. Yeah, One on. was, was the economic um, argument with Northern Ireland. I think that's very interesting because... Um, now, forgive me, I don't always follow politics at home as uh, much as I should, and I'd nearly ask this question for those who, who do know. Um, but when there was the whole sort of flags debacle and they were trying... Flags. It had its own uh, hashtag on Twitter, hashtag flags. Uh, you, can, you can search the argument. And... Um, <laughs> Um, but there was actually, uh, when they sort of failed to resolve uh, any sort of conflict around that, so there were sort of marches and counter-marches and violence and things kicking up, and there was really some, some ultimatums uh, laid down by David Cameron. Now, I thought he'd actually said he was going to start cutting uh, some of the money that was going across if they couldn't resolve it. Did I... Did, was that, did that happen? Someone give there, sorry, the there's been very significant cuts in the Northern Irish economy anyway, so uh, they did threaten that. That's what they do every so often. So they just threaten, what are you going to do? Are you going to cut it or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the other thing that I, I, I sort of think, and it's, it's going back to that, and it's an old story, but the, the binary interest in politics, you know, it's politics with a big P uh, in Northern Ireland rather than politics with a small P. Uh, and, and I, there is a, a, a population, a society there that isn't actually engaged with how a country operates, with what makes up a country. They don't necessarily have that many opinions on healthcare or education or, you know, those sorts of things. And, and for me, l being in Scotland at this time, and I was really quite... Uh, I didn't necessarily feel I had the right to engage in the debate in Scotland because home is Northern Ireland, despite the fact I haven't lived there for 14 years odd. Um, but sort of actually seeing what was being debated and it was this idea of civic rather than ethnic nationalism. You know, how do you contribute to a country? What makes up a country? It means that watching this debate happen to me is watching a population become engaged in those questions and I just don't think that's happened at home really at all. Um, I'm uh, really interested in this, this earlier point as, as, as a Scottish person, civically Scottish and born here of mm. Irish descent I have a, a sort of the, 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 this idea of Dalriada that you were talking about earlier Peter has some kind of grand romantic appeal for me inevitably um, but David and I outside earlier were talking a little bit about how um, we sometimes feel a little bit sad when that sense of sort of like innate Celtic brotherhood or sisterhood isn't always entirely returned. You know, like what what about the scene in Braveheart where they all down down tools and join the join the right team? You know, that kind of inane uh, uh, reductive uh, feeling. Um, I, I'm interested to know whether or not that because uh, you because you referenced Dalriada, whether or not that is that is a thing that feels that kind of. Uh, um, Union of Celtic nations is a thing that feels in any way like like there's any kind of actual political will for in in, in, in any part of Ireland. I think that's know? been the interesting aspect again of the last 25 years. Maybe has been whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. It's actually quite interesting this naming issue because I was actually when I was in Armagh, there was a huge debate during one of the talks about whether it's Ulster, whether it's Northern Ireland, what yeah. these things are, and it is our they show how fractured the politics are. Same in the Balkans, where you where you're talking about says so much about who you are. It's really interesting, but. Uh, what you've seen in the, in the Republic of Ireland in the last 25 years has been a huge disengagement with Northern Ireland in every size, shape or form. There's very little interest now in, in the Republic of Ireland what goes on in Northern Ireland. So long as they're not killing each other en masse and it's not giving the country a bad name writ large, every, the, South, the Southern Ireland is, hap is happy. And the hist what I think is really fascinating is the history of Ireland and Scotland is far more a history of Donegal, of Ulster in Scotland. Yeah. And there's two different stories about Ireland and Scotland. One is the non-Ulster story and one is the Ulster story. And the Ulster story is actually far more, far stronger, far more redolent of where we are now. And that all gets slightly lumped into this idea of Ireland and Scotland. But I think it's three entities. It's Ireland, Ulster slash Northern Ireland and the rest of... Or it's Scotland, Ulster slash Northern Ireland and the rest of Ireland. 
And I think that's kind of missed. And there's a far more, if you go to Northern Ireland and speak to people, there's a far stronger connection with Scotland than for a lot of people. Scotland in the north is different. It's a place where you can go to, you get the ferry, you go there, you have family. People in, in Belfast or wherever you are, Larne or even in Tyrone, will know a lot more about Scotland than people in the home counties. Yeah. They, their experience of Scotland is not some house estate or a hall. It's actually very, it's very, you know, it's something that, it's a place that they go to. So I think that connection is there, whereas people in the south of Ireland is not really the same. But how Scotland much is, is that country. sense of connection, I'm interested, how much of that sense of connection actually built around a shared sense of Britishness, as opposed to, like, it, 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 I'm, I'm interested in, in, in that a little. <clears throat> I think that's a really good question, Kieran. I think um, I think some of it might be around that. I think particularly f for that because of the ties back and forward, and also the other thing is that just to note as well as that you know the mainstream part of the formerly mainstream parties in terms of Labour Party Northern Ireland, many of those nationalists or people from those backgrounds would actually be quite British in their outlook. They wouldn't be dying to join <laughs> their kin across the border really any more than someone from a um, and. And that's more to do with the fact that, you know, the post-war settlement, and that's in some ways what, um, for me, the, 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 the debate comes down to, even as an Irishman living in Scotland, and my mum's from Glasgow as well, so I've kind of got that other tie back. But the, the, the post-war settlement where we have the NHS, we have those things, the dismantling or the threat to dismantle that consensus built after the war is, for me, the, the kind of point at which I'm, I'm thinking, no, actually, maybe... For Scotland, there might be a different way, and I think that's the tie that binds people in. In, in per, per, I think also in, because Northern Ireland, wh why would they? If they look south, they go, yeah, it's a great health system. You pay fifty euros if your child has a cough, you know, and that's not a republic, you know. That's so they're they're, they're really interesting questions. Sorry, I've probably gone off the point now, but it's. I think that that Britishness is through those institutions, it, and also that the our Irish people, I think, forgot they're remembering again, which is good, the, the first war, and Irish men and women uh, from North and South who, who fought and died in, in that war. And that was a real connection to, to Britain in some ways, and that, but we'd forgotten that. We couldn't remember that. It wasn't allowed to be remembered until recently. And that's, I mean, I'm not a, a, you know, the first war for me was kind of imperial, but the tragedy of Ireland's position, I think in many ways, and the divisions that happened meant that Ireland was unable to fully engage with the second conflict, which was by its nature very difficult and very different. Um, anyway, that's a, but that in some ways reforged again those ties between Northern Ireland and uh, Irish people within um, Northern Ireland who would be nationalists because they were part of that war um, and they were beneficiaries of the post-war settlement. In Ireland it didn't happen. And I, uh, Nicola, do you want to come in on that? Um, I just want to come back to the, the Dalreda concept. Um, that sense of Celtic brotherhood. I, I've lived here much longer now. I've lived here for 24 years, so substantially longer than half my life. <laughs> um, and so for me, this is home rather than the north of Ireland being home, though it's a different kind of home, I suppose, which we could get into, but let's not. Um, the um, My, I did not, I, I, that's largely been spent in Glasgow. And Glasgow is a really problematized place, largely because of us. <laughs> importing our problems but i would say essentially sectarianism was an english problem that the english sent to ireland and then we kind of adopted it wholesale and really went for it and then we decided to export it to mostly the west of scotland because we loved it so much um but uh my reception when i first came here i came to scotland at the end of the 1980s so before the troubles had ended and it was not always a very uh friendly place um, you know, uh, largely until even 1997, that war was still kind of going on. And I, for example, I had a job the whole time I was a student as an usher in a theatre in Glasgow, the King's Theatre. And I was not once called by my actual name in the six years that I worked there. I was called Irish the whole time I worked there. So every other member of staff, because that was what the boss called me, Irish. You're in the stalls today selling the ice cream. Irish, you're here. Nobody actually ever called me Nicola. Um, and walking down Socky Hall Street after a night out dancing was taking your life in your hands because people would hear this accent and they would um, sometimes physically attack you, but mostly verbally attack you for killing our boys over there. 
So it was really, I, I went through a number of different experiences like that through most of the 1990s, the early 1990s. So I've not always found it as a, a person from the north of Ireland the most hospitable place to be, but it really, really depends which football stadium you're standing outside Absolutely. of course. I, I'm really interested um, uh, it sort of veers onto this a little bit I suppose and I suppose as people that all do live in Scotland it's kind of a question for, for, for all of you really um, that intersection of Irishness and Scottishness particularly in the west of Scotland but, but anywhere in Scotland, in Scotland really what thoughts or feelings do you have about how Irishness might be impacting on the debate that we're having how does Irishness play out in relation to the to the independence question. Obviously, you have George Galloway suggesting one set of ideas around that, but then, as you suggested, a straw poll at either um, major football stadium in, in, in Glasgow might suggest slightly different things. So I'm interested in that a little. I guess the interesting thing, I recently, well, not too long ago, two years ago, I moved to Glasgow, and I lived in, I'd lived in Edinburgh for many years before. And prior to when I lived in Edinburgh, I felt like a kind of a little bit of a global nomad person. I'd moved yeah. from America and lived in Edinburgh, and it was all very nice. And you felt slightly like I was an Irish person who happened to live in this city that was just a place when you move to the west coast it's different it really I, d I definitely think it is different your place as an Irish person in the west of Scotland is very different you're yeah you really are you're a, you're also you're brought into conversations that you wouldn't have been brought into before and people talk to you in a way that they wouldn't have before for good and for ill I've enjoyed it but also it's problematic but I think for me one of the most interesting things is how we just talk about the Irish in Scotland and my experience as a first generation Irish person is completely different to someone from Cope Bridge who three or four generations down the line and their Irishness is far more this Irishness of the fog and the mists rolling in from the hills. And I find it really strange sometimes, you know. And they're expecting you to perform an Irishness. You're, like, I go and talk to them about cricket. I play cricket a lot, which is a bizarre thing for a Southern Irish Catholic to do. And they, you know, and they want to talk to me about GAA. And I, I know very little about GAA. I never really played GAA growing up. So you don't, your performance of Irishness doesn't fit into it. So I think that's something that's slightly missed. This, play, this kind of imprecation of where the Irish become written as just one big kind of catch-all term where it's actually sure. quite a disparate community. Anyone else? Nicola? It's quite interesting talking to one of the uncles from one of the sides yeah. of the family, the many sides, the other evening and it, the argument got quite heated to the extent where he hung up and then he phoned back and, and where, <laughs> where, it, where it overheated was the point at which he said to me, see the problem with this referendum debate, the yes campaign is being fueled by Irish Catholics in the west of Scotland. <laughs> That's the reason why you are having this referendum. It's all to do with the Irish Catholics in the west of Scotland. <laughs> I've heard that sentiment. I went, don't be before. so bloody stupid yeah, and he hung up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Decided to the stage. <laughs> that probably summed up my point. Irish people falling over in pubs, another cliche. Um, You're performing Irish I'm performing, I'm just performing, yeah, yeah. I'm performing Irish. Um, I, I think that um, just, just going back to, to, to uh, uh, P P Peter's point, I think that's a very good point. I mean, my father was, a, <clears throat> by all intents and purposes, a West Brit who came to Scotland, married, and West Brit being a very impolite term for someone of uh, uh, Anglo uh, Irish views. He was Catholic, but he played cricket. Um, there was a bat. He went. He decided for some reason to go to Galway, the west of Ireland. Send me to a Gaelic school, so I, I learned Gaelic. Um, and you know there was a lot of orthodoxy. But then you know the lads began playing GAA, and I'd say, yeah, I've got a bat too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd arrive out with my cricket bat. But it was, it's, it's, um, uh, it, it is. There is a, a, a kind of a complex, uh, as you correctly said, Peter, a complex relationship within Ireland and all the bits of Ireland as well. Um, and I actually, Linda's going back to Linda's point, Donegal. You know, Donegal is, is something like the kind of lost fifth province. It's, it's neither Ulster nor Ireland. You know, if you want to go back 30 years, Donegal's where to go. Um. Yeah. Um, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I, so I've lived in Edinburgh for four years now, and I've only ever lived in Edinburgh. I'm not that familiar with Glasgow as well, so mine's very much an East Coast side of Scotland experience. I don't have that much experience of sort of uh, Glasgow and, and all the rest of it. Uh, weirdly, I think one of my oddest experience I lived in Manchester before that and it was I'm not great with football it was a final it was a big one I don't know who was playing but it was in Manchester and it was a Russian team thank you very much it was that one um, but what happened was 
every Rangers fan in Glasgow appeared in Manchester. And actually, when they looked at it, it was the biggest mobilisation of Scots into England that has ever been. And it was insane. And I uh, walked through... I was sort of walking through... So it was, it was, it was crazy. And, and I, I um, was sort of going to work in, in the middle of Manchester at the time. And it was the most virulent sectarianism I'd come across. Um, ever. It was horrific, actually, like even more so than I ever had going through Belfast. I had people singing like the Pope down the streets. We had people who would clock my accent as soon as I walked and I would immediately get challenged. What side are you on? You'd people getting carried off all around the place. And it was it was really horrific. And that was sort of my first experience of actually seeing um, that that sort of attitude and, and violence and, and hatred that I'd always just associated with Northern Ireland outside of Northern Ireland, and I had sort of been blithely oblivious to it at that point, so that was that was fairly grim. Um, but having said that, because I've been in Edinburgh now, and I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I, I very rarely would, would get challenged. And the other thing, just sorry, going back to it, that's quite interesting, um, is that certainly once, so I was going to university in 2000, um, and there was sort of a quite odd thing at that time where you could go to university in... Northern Ireland, or you could go to university in Scotland, and that was acceptable, but not necessarily in England. And that was that was both sides. But sort of, and at one point, Dundee had like one in every three students was Northern Irish and things like that. Who then I think would would go back home. But there was this sort of huge move of students going across uh, and then coming back as well. So I mean, I, I I can't really offer anything. I wasn't here at that time, but how, but it was it was interesting that Scotland was seen as acceptable, it was kind of like going, you know, it was as close to, to going to uni at home as you could, which was, yeah. And on that note, I think, of uh, cultural cross-pollination, uh, it's, I think it's all we've got time for on the panel, so thanks for, thanks for all your thoughts, guys. Um, please, big round of applause for Cormac Quinn, Peter Gagan, Nicola McCartney, and Rachel McCrum. You can all feel free to take your seats back at the front now, thank you. Um, Lovely. So we um, we do a wee thing here in Bowie's. It is Bowie's today, isn't it? Yeah. Bowie's uh, guest yurt, where we uh, where we like to invite a letter from uh, a different part of the world. A short thing that's sometimes a video or a or a piece of text that someone sends us um, that just explaining a bit about what's going on in that part of the world and some thoughts about what's going on in Scotland just now as they see it. It would make thematic sense for this one to be from Ireland. Uh, we did try and source one from Ireland, and then that fell through. So instead, we've got one from Canada, and I'm sure there's lots of Irish people there. You know, it's the diaspora, isn't it? Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, are we good to go? We're good to go? All right, this is our uh, little letter from Canada. Oh, it's from, it's from these two lovely people who I know who are like my pals, uh, Rebecca and Aaron. Um, and uh, Rebecca's an actor. Aaron's a former actor, now um, PhD in geography, um, and they've and they're both political activists as well, and they've got some got some thoughts to share with us. Hello, my name is Rebecca Benson, and I'm Aaron Franks, and we are speaking to you, not live for you, uh, in Kingston, Ontario, Canada. And uh, we've been asked by Kieran and Julia to send you a letter from Canada, and uh, we're so. Thankful to them for having asked us. This is a real honor, and we really appreciate it. Since we miss Scotland so much, I cannot begin to tell you how much we miss Scotland. But no, you can't. Well, I could, but well, I might bore you to death. I, I don't know. Well, we lived there uh, for four years, from 2008 to 2012, and we were. Um, I was doing my PhD in human geography, and we had we have two. Two children who were born there, yes. Gil and Magda, were born in the Southern General in Govan. So, many, many intense things happened with and us for us there. Yes, and we met so many yeah. amazing people that we worked with and who supported us and who we formed great <laughs> friendships with. And, yeah, yeah. It, I think it was for me by a long shot the place that had the most sense of uh, oh, what's I don't know. I was going to say community, but it's it's kind of more than that. I don't know. It was just um, a way of living, or 
I, well, I was just going to say, actually, a kind of political life. Like, I remember walking down the street going, there's posters up about things that I would never see in, at home. And, <laughs> um, you know, like nobody nobody calls themselves a socialist at home. <laughs> and, and this is very exciting. And, and there just seems to be a dialogue going on. And this is something that people talk about instead of instead of forget about or, or shy away from. And that was something that was very exciting and very um, engaging. So, yeah. And we're back here, which is, um, you know, you probably see a little weird, sort of, we're back here thing on my face, but uh, yeah. we, um, this is, it's good because we, we have family here, lots of family, and we missed them while we were away. And uh, now our parents are getting older and my father in particular is, is quite ill right now. So um, there's the other half, right, of the intense experience away and then the family and um, familiarity back home. But we know that we'll go back to Scotland. We know that we will for sure. It's just, you know, it's a matter of figuring out when and yeah, how. Yeah. In fact, I, I just want to say something, you know, when we realized we were going to have to leave, because there was a period, of course, where we worked hard to, like, you know, get a job teaching, get a job this and that. And it's very hard to get a job at a university that you've just graduated from if you're a foreign student, right? I mean, there's just the immigration and visas and everything is just so tight and limited right now. Mm-hmm. And all that, you know, was a was a big problem and when we lost that hope of, of being able to stay we were quite upset and uh everything felt so immediate oh we'll never come back here again it'll never be the same again and whatnot and now we kind of feel well no it won't be the same again but that's fine it'll be something different yeah, yeah. when we go back it'll be everyone will be that much older and doing different things and a lot of things may have changed you know um but it's nice in to- september of this year you know for example <laughs> you know but it's nice to still have this connection and with our friends there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, um, we were asked also to sort of talk about what is going on here and, and uh, politically or historically. Or, and um, we're, I, I can't say we're as close to an election or a, a vote as you guys are, but uh, there is one upcoming next year that uh, people are getting ready for. And um, our prime plus of emails in the inbox about give us ten dollars and <laughs> you know for twenty bucks you can have a That's barbecue right. with Justin Trudeau you know and, you know if you Google Google him yes yeah. um, do they have the same proportional representation system as we do. We don't have proportional representation. No, no, I mean, I'm sorry, no, of course we don't. I mean, that's the, that's that's the ideal, that's, that's problem, what we want, you know? that's our yeah. problem. But do they have the same first-past-the-post system as we do? In Scotland? Yeah. Uh, I think it's mixed. I think there's, uh, um, well, there's, well, there's Westminster, there's Holyrood, and then there's the European Parliament, and they each are slightly different, so I, I can't remember. I'm sure you guys are laughing and throwing your beer at the screen and all those Canucks fucking yeah well we've only got 30 seconds left so we might as well just skip to our message to Scotland our message to Scotland which is don't change change but don't change what no no I don't mean what what? okay uh, no, no, no. What, what will you say? What? No, no, no. Cool. What do you mean? Change, don't change. What does that mean? No, I, I, it just means I love you. I love you, and uh, we can't wait to. We just loved living there so much, and you guys are awesome. And don't, whatever you do, don't let anybody take away your. who you are. And I'm starting to sound like I'm writing a terrible song. Um, so please take over. <laughs> no, I. It's too late. <laughs> it's not. Just save it. It's the last bit. Just change. Do whatever you want. Yes. Just, just do it for the right reasons, and don't don't just be be confident. Be completely confident. In fact, I think you should vote yes. I think you should vote for independence. <laughs> is what I really think. But beyond that, beyond that, also remember that this is not some nail in a coffin or this is also not a um what's the word uh the the other thing the opposite of a nail in a coffin this is not the be all cure all whatever you know all everyone knows all this but our hearts are and our all of our thoughts are are, 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 be brave yeah but we don't need to tell Scots to be brave because they are it's way too long (laughs) and now that's cheesy never change Rebecca Benson and Aaron Franks. What are we doing next? Sentence? Where are we on the, um, in the, on the, on the Camille uh, arrival? Yeah? Brilliant. She's here. Um, uh, uh, did you bring David Bowie with you? No. Oh, I did. I, yeah, I did. I 
Nice one. Um, and then my phone wasn't working so but I'm here brilliant 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 should we have a should we have a yeah great great you do whatever you need to set up whatever it is you got great well before brilliant before we before we we hear from you then Camille brilliant that you're here if you take the bibbity bobbity hat and uh, start uh, collecting in people's sentences that you may or may not have scribbled down on a bit of scrap paper. Um, If you've not written anything because you just plain don't want to, totally cool. But if you've not written anything because you don't have a pen or a paper, stick up your hand and we'll see if we can address that right now. Because we would hate for your lack of participation to be down to a lack of access to necessary resources. This is a social democratic Scotland. We will pool resources in the room. Um, so anyone that has pen or paper or can help out anyone with their hand up, steal some of my paper even, take my paper, that's also fine. Um, and the hat's going to come round. What was the sentence The sentence is, Ireland is, Pauline, Ireland is, and then complete that sentence for us. Um, oh, you, you, you can join in as well, Camille, that's great. Um, of course, of course, of course. Also, the uh, other, other thing you might want to know about these, as well as being uh, presented back to you as some kind of uh, collective performance poem, these are also all going to be stored by the National Library of Scotland in their referendum archives forever. So uh, you've contributed to history in a small way, and the archiving that the National Library is doing of this discussion we're having as a nation. So congratulations on that. Shall we do this now? Yeah. Because I would like to have another poem from Rachel McCrum as well. That's another thing that I would like to happen. So why don't we do this, then we'll do a poem, and then we'll hear from you. Is that, who's that? Grand. Do you want to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, even if you aren't in the hat just yet, but an idea comes to you, the hat will be towards the door because we do write them all down and they'll all get put on the website and they make for really lovely reading if you ever want to look back at them. So don't don't let yourself be... (laughs) Right, here we go. With the help of my beautiful assistant... Ireland is not as broke as they're making out. Ireland is extreme. Ireland is complicated but wonderful. Ireland is a fractured, multifaceted island which simultaneously exists in many constitutions. Ireland is very different and also the same with a picture of a love heart. Ireland is about special connection, part of who we are. It's grand. Ireland is like desperate Dan's jaw jutting out into the Atlantic. Ireland is... Ireland is in three parts, Northern Ireland, Donegal and the South. Ireland is our complex and mysterious sibling. Ireland is unfinished, unfurnished. Ireland is a friend of Scotland. Ireland is an island. Ireland is like Poland dot 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 a bit. Ireland is a European nation, as Scotland might become, no longer defined in terms of a London or the US above. Ireland is mental. Well done, guys. That was your poem. If your piece didn't get read or if you've not written one yet and you want to, you can add it into the hat. It's all going to go into the National Library's archives. Um, Without further ado, then, that was great. Uh, I would like to get another actual poem... (laughs) from an actual proper poet. Ladies and gentlemen, Rachel McCrum. I'm very glad you're ending with Camille O'Sullivan. Because uh, David and and Kieran had said to me, oh, would you mind doing one of your poems earlier? And I was like, well, I've got an upbeat one and a downbeat one. That was the upbeat one. (laughs) 
so <laughs> you, I wish you could see David's face right now. I was like <laughs> it's okay you're gonna end with Camille it'll be good <laughs> um, so uh, this is uh, going a little bit I think on on, on the binary issue uh, and some of the questions uh, you get asked and I actually got this asked uh, asked this question in New Zealand of all places uh, where I was working in an Irish pub of course because that's what you do um, yeah and it was it was an eye-opener do you know any rebel songs do you the challenge slaps wooden across the bar when an accent half-caught coughs on the guttural in lock and a display of true colors is demanded the challenge is slapped wooden across the bar. To sing a rebel song, you must have right on your side. A display of true colours is demanded and your grandfather's sash lies home and silent in a drawer still. To sing a rebel song, you must have right on your side. Be unfaltering in awe of dubious heroes. Your grandfather's sash lies home and silent in a drawer still would throttle out the ambiguities of inherited guilt. Unfaltering in awe of dubious heroes, those proud with rebel songs in their back pockets would throttle out the ambiguities of inherited guilt. Somewhere along the way, drown righteous defiance in dirty pints. Those proud with rebel songs in their back pockets seek out the back and tans or sink to the water, defiance drowned long ago in dirtied pints, choked on chance of self-exoneration, mea non culpa. Seeking out the blackened tans or sinking to the boiling water, an accent half caught coughs on the guttural in lock and chance of self-exoneration choke. Do you know any rebel songs? Do you? Oh, that'd be brilliant. Rachel McCombe. So, all that's left to do before, uh, before I welcome Camille back out to the stage um, is to say a thank you, I suppose, to, to David Bowie and to Man for having us here at their guest yurt on the roof of their Manhattan apartment. To all of you for coming. Um, I'll also to, to plug any shows that anyone has going on. I don't have the information written down or in my head. So, who wants to who wants to tell me about something? I am doing Rally and Broad. Rachel McCrum is co-host of a brilliant uh, spoken word uh, 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 event collective uh, partnership called Rally and Broad, who are doing. Uh, the Festival of Politics on Sat Sat Sunday, Sat Sunday. Sat Sunday. It's the 17th. I only do. I don't do. I don't do days of the week during the fringe. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't work. Uh, and there'll be people there, including me, doing a thing, and Liz Lockhead, and Alan Bissett, and Harry Giles, and and Rachel Amy. The Holyrood Parliament at half six till eight o'clock, and it's free. So come along to that on Sunday if you want. You don't need to whisper it, David. Tell us. <laughs> tell, tell us in the mic. Tell us in the mic. Uh, and Camille's show is at 9.45 at the Music Hall in the Assembly Rooms. And it's... It, and, and a member of the audience, for those, for, those listening on the, for those listening on the podcast, a member of the audience is so moved by this that she has told us that it is brilliant, but absolutely it is. And I've, uh, I've seen Camille before, and she absolutely is. So... Grand. Um, so, without further ado, then, since she's brilliant, Camille O'Sullivan. Thanks. Thank you so much. I just have to say that was astonishing. I could watch you do that all. Like that was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, so. Okay. So there's. Uh, there's, uh, I've never sung one of them a cappella and the other one I have so maybe we go seeing that it's kind of disgusting I don't know there's a bad time to do a vote but there's a song that Bowie covers which is Brel's Amsterdam and then the other one is Rock and Roll Suicide and I wish I had um, a bit of whiskey for both of them but I don't so I don't know is it bad to ask for a vote on either Amsterdam, Amsterdam. or Rock and Roll Suicide 
Oh, I see. We could do both. Are you kidding me? Okay, we'll do Amsterdam, right? He did do this. I'll do rock and roll suicide another time. You'll find me out wandering in the gardens around 11 at night and find me, and I will sing it for you. I will, actually. People have, I've said it to them, and they go, do it, and I do it. Okay, so, and I'm a big Bowie fan and Brel. And that, sorry, and last one, there's a beautiful song by Brel Marik, which is a beautiful song about his Flanders land, which at some stage you must try and listen to because of all the voting, it's completely heartfelt. It's actually a song I'm not going to sing now, but I think it'd be nice for you to listen to. So I'm going to be quiet, Irish girl, and get on with it. <laughs> In the port of Amsterdam, there's a sailor who sings of the dreams that he brings on the wide open sea and in the port of Amsterdam there's a sailor who sleeps while the river bank weeps to the old willow tree in the port of Amsterdam From a drunken down fight And in the port of Amsterdam There's a sailor who's born On a muggy hard morn By the dawn's early light In the port of Amsterdam where sailors all meet There's a sailor who eats Only fish heads and tails He will show you his teeth That have rotted too soon That can swallow the moon That can haul up the sails And he yells to the cook With his arms open wide Bring me more fish, put it down by my side and he wants so to belch but he's too full to try so he gets up and laughs and he zips up his fly in the port of Amsterdam you can see sailors dance paunches bursting their pants grinding women to paunch they've forgotten the tunes that their whiskey voice croaks splitting the night with a roar of their jokes and they turn and they dance and they laugh and they lust to the rancid sound of the accordion burst then out to the night with their pride and their pants with a slut that they tow underneath the street lamps in the port of Amsterdam there's a sailor who drinks and he drinks and he drinks and he drinks once again he drinks to the health of the whores of Amsterdam who are promised their love to a thousand other men they've bargained their bodies their virtue long gone for a few dirty coins until he can go on he plants his nose up in the sky and wipes it up above and pisses like I cry for an unfaithful love in the port of Amsterdam in the port of Amsterdam Thanks for
coming to all back to Pony's everyone. Thanks to Neil Sullivan. That was amazing. One big last cheer for all of our guests tonight, please. Thanks tonight, this afternoon. Um, tomorrow we're here, or uh, we're here for the whole fringe. Tomorrow we'll be joined by the brilliant Leslie Ridder. So if you want to come back at the same time, that would be excellent. So thanks guys, have a nice day. Bye bye. Uh, so here are the sentences from show 14. Ireland is. Ireland is about special connection, part of who we are. It's grand. Ireland is extreme. Ireland is not as broke as they're making out. Ireland is unfinished, unfurnished. Ireland is mental. Ireland is a European nation, as Scotland might become, no longer defined in terms of London or the US alone. Ireland is like Poland, a bit. Ireland is a friend of Scotland. Ireland is our complex and mysterious sibling. Ireland is in three parts, Northern Ireland, Donegal and the South. Ireland is very different and also the same. Ireland is like desperate Dan's jaw jutting out into the Atlantic. Ireland is a fractured, multifaceted island which simultaneously exists in many constitutions. Ireland is complicated and wonderful. Ireland is linked to Scotland in three main ways. One, the Gaelic tradition. Two, Presbyterian Scots and the plantations of Ulster, 1607 onwards. And three, Catholic immigration into Scotland from the 1800s onwards. It's an interesting complex. Ireland is Braveheart too. Ireland is the home of that... is the home that many, many, many of our ancestors came from. More than we realise. Probably yours. You're probably Irish. Ireland is an island.